It's another Saturday morning when we welcome Jack Farrell from Haskell's and his wine chat here on CCU. Good morning, Jack. Hi there, Denny. How are things this morning? Things are well. I uh, I, I noticed that we're <laughs> there's no change temperature-wise. We're still going to be in the 90s today, so another another steamy week coming up. Indeed. And you know, there's nothing for a steamy weather better than a cold, crisp glass of white wine. And last night I was at a dinner party and they poured Sancerre's in a aperitif glass of white wine. And last night I was at a dinner party and they poured Sancerre as an aperitif. I know they've heard me in the past talk about Sancerre. I always liken it. It's Sauvignon Blanc with a college education. It's such a wonderfully sophisticated drink and yet easy to enjoy. Sancerre comes from the Loire Valley in France. And the Loire is the longest river in France and is often called the bed breadbasket of France. And oh, up and down the Loire, if you ever get the opportunity to visit there, it's well worthwhile because the old French nobles all had their summer houses on the Loire Valley on the river somewhere up and down it and uh, would retreat from the heat of Paris to the Loire Valley and enjoy uh, their summers in a cooler, not so crowded place than Paris. And Sancerre is a little bitty town. It's at the easternmost edge of the Loire Valley. The Loire drains all the way into the Atlantic Ocean. And actually, uh, Sancerre is closer to Chablis than it is to, say, Angers or Touraine, which are the big major cities of the Loire. And having said that, in Chablis, we get wonderful wines from there, and I've always attributed that to the chalk content in the ground. And that chalk actually runs all the way from Champagne to the White Cliffs of Dover in England, and in the process goes through Chablis and Sancerre. And Sancerre, uh, Sauvignon Blanc really blooms well there. Sancerre was a, a little bitty area in up in the 1800s, produced mainly in very insignificant red wine. And uh, it was after the phylloxera epidemic, and this is where uh, um, Rutlaus devastated the vineyards of the entire world. And in as much as it was an American Rutlaus, we supplied it and we supplied the cure. Most vines throughout the world are grafted onto American rootstock. And the reason for that is, American rootstock is impervious to the phylloxera louse. And so uh, when they dug up all of Sancerre, they replanted it in Sauvignon Blanc. And what a wonderful thing that was. When I first started in this business a long time ago, uh, when you went in Paris and had a glass of white wine, chances are it was always Sancerre because it was such a popular drink with the Parisians. And there was good reason for it. It these crisp, aromatic white wines are 100% Sauvignon Blanc. And believe me, you know, Sauvignon Blanc is such an interesting grape type. And people have, you know, their favorites for all over the world. And, you know, the Sauvignon Blanc that's produced in the Loire Valley is a little less grassy than a Sauvignon Blanc from New Zealand, which are also extraordinarily popular throughout 
the world. And uh, they have their fans, but there's a herbaceous quality to those New Zealand Sauvignon Blancs that you don't get in Sancerre. And the same thing is true of all the other places that grow a lot of Sauvignon Blanc, northern Italy, Chile, Argentina, California, etc. <clears throat> but uh, the classic Sancerre is bracingly acidic and has aromas of uh, nettles and maybe a little bit of uh, gooseberries, and it has that wonderful stony minerality that comes from the chalk soils. And uh, the fruit and the nose is often uh, a little grapefruity, and they really are terrific wines. Uh, as I said, we had, last night had it as an aperitif, and it was just a perfect aperitif on a hot summer's evening. Uh, and I usually like, uh, don't usually have an aperitif, but boy, I couldn't resist when my host offered me a glass of Sancerre. It really is wonderful. As I said, in the 1880s, the whole area was replanted with Sauvignon Blanc. And they still have a little Pinot Noir there because they make a Sancerre Rosé as well as a Sancerre Red. But they're insignificant, really, because 85% of Sancerre is white. And so it's a novelty to try the Rosé or a novelty to try a Red Sancerre, but they're strictly that novelty wines. And not, in my opinion... Uh, the kind of wine you really want to get too serious about. It's interesting to have, it's like white Beaujolais. It's interesting to try and taste it, but uh, you wouldn't want to drink that all the time. At any rate, the white wines they make there run the gamut because most of them, about probably again 80%, never see any wood. But then there's growers in Sancerre who are experimenting with oak aging the Sauvignon Blanc. And it's very interesting because those Sauvignon Blanc will take a little bottle age, and it's very interesting wine. And uh, the, the Sancerre area is a very pretty area. It's kind of the, one of the biggest hills in the Loire, and the hill is almost bean-shaped. And uh, the where you grow the grapes on the sides of the hills determines what kind of grapes, uh, what kind of wine you produce because uh, the ones that are chalkier feature a special terroir that is only comes from Sancerre. It's just like Chablis, has that flinty quality that only comes from Chablis. Sancerre has that same mineral quality, and it only comes from the soils in there. You know, wine is nothing more than an expression of terroir, of the soil. And any winemaker will tell you that. All they're doing is tending it if they're a serious winemaker and not impeding the actual production of the wine too terribly much as a winemaker. Um, but, like I say, you can improve on that by barrel uh, fermentation or oak aging, that type, some of that. And that's all done. But when you're drinking a glass of Sancerre, you really are inhaling in my opinion, the very, very best there is of Sauvignon Blanc. It's the top of the heap. Uh, the Appalachian is relatively new. It was created in, but prior to World War II in the uh, mid-30s. And uh, believe me, it has just prospered and grown beautifully. And today, 
when you're in Paris and you ask for a glass of white wine, you don't get Sancerre uh, anymore because it's it's gotten fairly pricey. A bottle of Sancerre usually will cost you around 20 to $25, uh, as opposed to a lot of Sauvignon Blancs you can get for 10 or 15 or or so. But the, but there is a big difference. I mean, the quality of that Sancerre, I think, outstrips almost any kind of Sauvignon Blanc. And, and bear in mind, it's all a matter of taste. You know, if you like a New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc, that's fine and dandy. Go ahead and drink that. I'm not here to question that. But for complexity and just expressions of the grape, Sancerre really has it for Sauvignon Blanc. It's called in throughout the whole Loire Valley, all 700 miles of that valley. It's called the King of the Hill Wines, and there's a good reason for that. It is a delicious wine, and uh, Sancerre, in my opinion, only gets better. As people try it, it it becomes a, a favorite, and believe me, if you try that, Go ahead if you like Sauvignon Blanc. One day, splurge on a Sancerre. I think you'll see immediately what I mean. It's very complex. It's just a different style than regular Sauvignon Blanc. And I'm not saying regular Sauvignon Blanc isn't just terrific. It is. But this is a different style of that and very complex. And It's as good, in my opinion, as Sauvignon Blanc gets. Another thing I thought we might chat about this morning was sangria. You know, sangria is a wonderful hot weather drink. Uh, it's a, it, Actually, what sangria is is a wine punch. And it's very, very popular in the Spanish-speaking countries all over. It was popular in the Mediterranean, uh, I'm sorry, in the Caribbean, before it was popular in Spain. It just became a wonderful thing to drink in the summer. And it was a good way to use up wine that was slightly turning, uh, a red wine. And sangria, it literally comes from the Spanish word sangre, which is blood. And uh, sangria is a punch of red wine and chopped fruit. And there are other ingredients in them, usually too a little bit. They usually put a little bit of brandy, and you mix usually a club soda in there. A good recipe is, say, a bottle of red wine, and what makes particularly good sangrias, in my opinion, uh, is a Nouveau Beaujolais. You have some Nouveau Beaujolais left over from last November. You have a bottle of Nouveau, six ounces of club soda, an ounce and a half of brandy, and maybe an ounce and a half of triple sec or any kind of orange liqueur, uh, and then sliced lemon, lime, and maybe an apple or a peach, and put it in there with a little bit of ice. And I'm telling you, it is a wonderful, wonderful summer drink. There, there, it, as a matter of fact, it's so indigenous to Spain and Portugal that the European Union have granted them the exclusive use of the word sangria. So in other words, if you happen to be in Sweden or in Germany and you get sangria there, they have to say German sangria or Swedish sangria. But the only ones that can use the word just sangria are the folks in uh, Portugal and Spain, that whole Iberian Peninsula. And uh, sangria, as I said, is a marvelous thing. Another great thing that I particularly like on a hot day is a white sangria. And it's made exactly the same way as the red. Use a bottle of white wine, six ounces of club soda, 
couple ounces of orange liqueur, an ounce and a half of brandy, and then put in sliced peaches, apples, lemon, something like that. And it's refreshing and delightful on a hot summer day to have something as cool as uh, a big pitcher of sangria. And, and, you know, if you're going around Spain or Portugal and you go into the main plaza, there's always two or three tables that have a big pitcher of sangria. And, and, you know, sangria, because of the club soda and all that, doesn't have a high alcohol content normally. But but be careful of that. As I said, people do put brandy in. And if someone's offering you a sangria that you made, they made at home, you might ask them about the alcohol, how much. Some people don't even put the brandy in. It's not really necessary, but it's part of the tradition that you put an ounce and a half in what would be about 30, a full liter, 31, 32 ounces of uh, the sangria mixture itself. And so be sure and be careful of that because it's, because it's sweet and really quaffable drink. You know, it can slip up and kind of knock you over the head if you have too much of it. So be sure and check out the amount of the brandy that they're putting in it. But on a hot day, and boy, we've got a lot of those lately, uh, bottle of or a pitcher of ice cold sangrias is really a very welcome sight and a welcome stop on a hot day to refresh yourself and as i said there's nothing more refreshing and interesting than trying a glass of sancerre uh, sauvignon blanc at its very very finest and you can find not only the sancerre but uh, the ingredients for uh, sangria all at haskell's right at Jack? haskell's the folks Haskell's love to talk about wine and they love to pair wine with food and they're sure to pair you with a wine that will not break the bank and will complement whatever you're serving. There's a Haskell's near you where you can save big dollars on wine during our fabulous summer sale which is going on right now. There's a Haskell's in Bloomington. There's one in Excelsior right off of the Excelsior Dock. We have a Haskell's in Faribault right off of 35. Our super seller in Maple Grove is not to be missed. And in Minneapolis, we have free parking on Saturday and Sunday. There's a Haskell's at Ridgedale, Plymouth, St. Paul's Island Village, Stillwater, White Bear Lake, and Woodbury, too. And if you can't come into Haskell's, call, go to Haskell's.com. And don't forget, Haskell's does deliver. And incidentally, we have some seats open on our upcoming August 21st cruise on the Stillwater, on the, at Stillwater on the beautiful St. Croix River. Coming up. All right, Jack, let's uh, wish you a good week, and let's talk next week. You know, Denny, I'm going to look forward to that. Thanks very much. Jack Farrell from Haskell. 74 degrees right now in the Twin Cities. Yeah, on our way to near 92, and tomorrow looks like about 93. We could be 96 on Tuesday. 74 right now on CCO.